0: Hi, and welcome to the Pulpit to Pew podcast. My name's Brad McClure. You see, there was a time when I stood behind a pulpit each week and had the opportunity to teach God's Word. Today, I'm a banker, and each week I sit in a pew just like you. I may have gone from the pulpit to the pew, but I haven't lost my love for learning and teaching God's Word. And that's what this podcast is all about. So, grab your Bibles and let's study God's Word together. Hey friends and welcome back to the podcast. So glad you chose to join us this week for our adult Bible study. A little different this week. I'm actually out of town this weekend. I am on my way, or I went, by the time you listen to this, to Michigan. Some of you may not know, some of our listeners are from Michigan, but I was an assistant pastor for eight and a half years in Charlotte, Michigan, just south of Lansing, fresh out of Bible College, and uh, had some wonderful years there. And that church has its 100-year anniversary. And so Michelle and I are heading up there, or went up there. It's always weird in the past tense, present tense, when you're recording a podcast. But we're spending the weekend up there and celebrating with them. So looking forward to seeing some familiar faces. I haven't been up there in 10 years since I left. And so uh, I'm excited to see some of them. So I'm not teaching my class live and recording it and then putting it on here. Uh, So I thought earlier, it's early in the week. It's actually Wednesday night as I'm recording this. I thought, well, why not just go ahead and record it, a shorter version, uh, just and put it on the, the podcast and allow you that are studying 1 John with us to continue. Those that were in my class, they're going to have another teacher, and he's going to do a wonderful job. But I wanted to keep you up to date on this exciting study, in my opinion, of the book of 1 John. So we have been moving our way through this book. We are in 1 John chapter 1. Or excuse me, chapter 2. And last week we finished up on verse number 6. And I'll just read it so we can kind of get a running start. I know I'm going a little faster today, but a little running start. When verse 6, you may remember he says, He that saith he abideth in him. The word abideth is a is a fellowship term. If you're saying you're in fellowship with him, with with Christ, he ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. And we talked about that word ought the word ought kind of gives us two impressions. Last week we said, it, 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 first of all, it tells you that you can. You can live the Christian life. You can walk with Christ and for Christ because he sells us to. We ought to. It's expected. But ought also has the implication, The not implication, I think he even said that last week, but it has the, uh, I don't know the right word for it, but it seems to imply, there you go, that maybe you won't some will choose not to walk in fellowship with God sadly but he continues on now and, and there's really three sections that we're going to cover and I we have a group voxer that goes on where we all are uh, we talk back and forth and and kind of talk about what we're studying in this book me and uh, the three other teachers and we talk through this and I sent him a message early in the week and I just said listen I I outline the books and, and kind of talk about where we're going to be studying. And I said to him, I've kind of gave us a chunk of meat this week because there's a lot to cover. And it's and I'm doing it in a shorter format, but I think it's going to be okay. Let's catch up a little bit here. He says, brethren, so we know he's writing to Christians. He says, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which he had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. So he starts out, he's transitioning to a new subject, and he's, we know he's talking to Christians. He says, I'm not writing a new commandment to you. Now, we're going to come back to that. It's something that's old, something you've heard for a long time. Your ancestors have heard this. And just to kind of speed the chase, he's saying, you've heard this from the Old Testament. What he's about to introduce, he says, you've already heard it from the Old Testament. But then listen to the language, because he just said it's not new. It's an old commandment. But then he says again, a new commandment I write unto you which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. So he says it's it's old, but it's new. It's new in that Jesus, when he was on this earth, taught it. John heard Jesus teach what he's about to say. What is he going to say? He's going to talk about loving one another. And we know that Jesus taught this. He said, remember the passage, I think in Matthew 26, when he, when they asked him, the lawyer said, hey, you know, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with thy soul, with all thy mind. He said, the second is like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. And then in the upper room discourse, one of my favorite passages, but in, in John 13, as he's uh, spending some time talking to his disciples and including Judas at that time, Remember, Jesus got down on his knees like a servant and began to wash the disciples' feet. And he said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. So with that backdrop, he said it's a new, it's new because Jesus just taught it, but it's old because it's been around since the Old Testament. Jesus just emphasized it in his ministry. And he, and he said at the end of verse 8, I don't know if you caught it, he says, he says it's a it's true in him and in you. So this is something that can be done. We can love others. He says, because the darkness is past, remember, darkness is a metaphor for sin, a- and true light now shineth. Christ in us, the true light, Jesus is the light, as it tells us in the book of John. So he says, this is something because the darkness is past, sin is in the past, it's been forgiven, and the true light now shineth. It says in verse 9, he that saith he is in the light. He's continuing that theme of, if you say you walk in the light. And remember, I've said that's a synonym for if you say you're in fellowship with God. But And he says, hateth his brother is in darkness, even unto now. Hey, If you say you're in fellowship with God, but you hate your brother in Christ or sister in Christ, you know what I'm saying. You're talking about a Christian. You're in sin. If hatred and anger and bitterness, he's saying, fills our heart and drives us, we're not in fellowship with God. He says, you're in darkness even until now. It says, he that loveth his brother abideth. There's that fellowship term. So if you have love, and this love is not like when I say I love pizza or I love chocolate chip cookies. It's the the word agape love. It's a sacrificial love. It's, it's a God love that only we can show with Christ is in us when we're walking in fellowship. So he says, he that loveth his brother abideth in light. You are in fellowship with God. And there was none occasion of stumbling in him. You're not going to find yourself stumbling through life. Because your heart is free from the poison of, of bitterness and hatred. And there's a freedom that you have. But it says in verse 11, But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, walks in sin, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because the darkness hath blinded his eyes. And if you've ever seen this in reality, you've seen someone so driven by hatred and so driven by bitterness, they will will stoop to levels you never thought they would go to. They stumble through life it's like they're in a fog in a in in a darkness he says they're stumbling over everything and, and and people that are so driven by hatred and so driven by by anger and bitterness they don't make good decisions they don't make wise decisions they're not walking in the light and so he begins by reminding them of this command that Jesus said, as I've already quoted, but he said, to love your neighbor as yourself, and to, by this shall all men know your disciples, if you have loved one for another. And he says, if you want to be in fellowship with God, love others. If you want to be out of fellowship with God and stumble through life, stay bitter, stay full of hatred, try to get revenge. That's the first section, but then there's a second section here. He says, and he's, you're going to notice three groups of people that he talks to. He says, "I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake." I want to back backtrack a little bit on what I said before we get into this next section. This kind of just like a, it almost feels like it's not, but it almost feels like a standalone verse. But he says, I write unto you little children, talking to these young Christians, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. God has forgiven you in the name of Christ. Your sins have been forgiven is what he was talking about in the last couple of weeks. And so it's it's not our name's sake that keeps us in fellowship with God. It's not our name's sake why we are forgiven. We're forgiven because of Jesus Christ. And he says that to little children And you're going to see as it transitions into this next section, little children's, the idea of young, not young as in five years old, but immature Christians that are growing in their faith. They don't know. And if you've ever been around a young, immature Christian growing in their faith and they don't understand, there are a lot of times when they they feel like their sins can't be forgiven, but they are. We've already addressed that in the last few weeks. They are based on the very name of God. His reputation is on there. Because he said, if you confess your sins, fa- he will be faithful and just to forgive us. Now, in verse 13, he says, I write unto you fathers. I don't think he's talking about a paternal father. I don't think he's talking about like a, a dad in a home. He's writing, and you're going to see this. He's talking to fathers represent mature Christians. You've been saved for some time. You, you've been a, walked with God for some time. He's going to go on and says, "I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. You've been saved for some time. You're mature. You know God. You've known him from the beginning. You've walked with him. You've experienced Christ." And then he says, "I write unto you, young men. These are those that they're not. They they're not real mature. They're not older. They're they're young men in their faith. Maybe some middle aged man. I, I said it's not a lot of age difference. We're going to see where it plays in in a minute." But they're 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 younger, they're they're kind of middle-aged with their faith and their maturity. And he says, I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. You know, you you've fought the battles, you've seen the victory, the wicked one being Satan here in his temptations, and he's saying, You have overcome. Well, I'm talking to you young guys that got saved and got excited about God and started taking the word of God? serious and saying no i can live in victory i don't have to live in sin i don't have to live in defeat i don't have to be eaten up by my guilt i can claim the victory in jesus christ he says you've overcome it you you have realized not in your own strength but in the strength of christ and you have overcome him you know there's strength when in the in the young person you know i think about my dad and i my dad and i we go out golfing i we we haven't golfed in a while we're going too soon now. I'm getting older. I'm 40 now. My dad's 62, 63. He's born in 59. You can calculate that. He'll be 63. I hit the golf ball farther than my dad. Why? Well, because I'm younger, and he may want to debate this, but stronger. You know, there's going to come a time when my boys hit the ball farther than me. Why? Because they're younger and stronger. There's strength in youth, and there's strength spiritually for young boys believers middle-aged believers that are that are just you know what passionate about the lord he says you've overcome the wicked one but then he says i write unto you little children because you have known the father again you're young in the faith you know the father now i'm writing to you he's saying in this letter because you're young and i, and I think it's here maybe in the next verse it does change in the greek word of little children and it changes from a maturity spiritually to young, like actually young children. But he says, you've you've known the Father. You're a Christian now. It's time to grow. It's time to mature in your faith. Verse 14, I've written unto you, fathers, he's saying it again, because you have known him, that is from the beginning. He says the same thing. I've written unto you, young men, because you're strong. The word of God abideth in you. He's not saying the word of God doesn't abide in the fathers, the mature. He's saying, but you young men, boy, you're strong, you still got that youth, that excitement, that passion. If you're not careful as you get older in your faith, you don't have your passion anymore. Now this isn't a this is a broad stroke. I gotta be careful here. But you know, sometimes I look out at our church and sometimes I'll see some of the older people and they're just not singing with the same passion maybe they did when they were younger. Just doesn't seem to be that excitement. And maybe some of them are singing it all, but I can see that in younger people as well. So maybe I should be fair on that. But he's saying, the word of God abideth in you and you have overcome the wicked one. It's a big deal. And so I, I, I how do you come out of this? But probably if I spent, it's Wednesday when I'm recording this, if I had Thursday and Friday and Saturday to, to dive deeper into this before I actually taught it on Sunday, I may make some more application on this. But I think what I want to do now as we're just reading through this is, I want to encourage you to just grow in your faith. It's a natural progression in life. I'm I look at my son who just turned 8. He's grown. It's crazy. I just look at my memories on Facebook where he was 8 years ago and uh, just holding him on my chest as a little baby and where he is now. There's that natural growth that happens physically. But there's also going to should be a growth spiritually. And, and and embrace it. You may be a young Christian. Well, hey, get into work God's word and, and strengthen yourself in God's word. You may have been saved for what's considered middle-aged time. You've been saved for a little while now. Hey, you ought to be overcoming Satan. You ought to be growing in your faith. You ought to be helping others and discipling others. And you may be mature in the faith. You've known God for a long time. You're not done. You definitely ought to be discipling and mentoring others and encouraging others. And so there's growth there. All right, let me see where I'm at. I'm 15 minutes in, and I've got a big passage left, but I think I'm going to keep it simple. Although, I didn't even open my notes, so we'll see how this goes. I've just been kind of going off the cuff here but from from my study that's fresh on my mind. But in verse 15, it's verses that you know. It's verses that you've heard. And I'm going to stall here for a second and try to get my notes up. Maybe they'll come, maybe they won't. But I want you to think about these next few verses. It says this. It says, Love not the world... Neither the things that in this world. You've heard it before, haven't you? We we've known this passage. We're familiar with this passage. We've heard it taught. If you've been in church any time in your life, any time in your life, you've heard this taught many, many, many times. And I'm not saying that as if it's a bad passage. I'm saying it's a great passage. It's a wonderful passage. It's a passage we need to hear often. But he says, "Love, not." world what does he mean by the world i don't think he i don't think he means don't love the beauties of this planet or the beauties of other planets or the beauties of the galaxy he's not saying that he's not referring to creation he's not referring to mankind he's not saying don't love people but the world is an invisible spiritual system that is opposed to god it's opposed to jesus christ it's Satan's system for opposing the work of Christ on this earth. It's the opposite of being godly. It's the opposite of being holy. That's what this world is. And so, just as the Holy Spirit will use believers to accomplish God's will on the earth, Satan's going to use people to fulfill evil purposes in this world system. I think of Ephesians two two when it says, Wherein in times past... You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of this air. What's he talking about? He's saying we, we walked according to the system and the thinking of the evil world system. When as a Christian, we live in this physical world, but we don't belong to the spiritual world and Satan's system that's opposing God. And a lot of times pastors are especially talking with teens at this time. They give illustrations of What is worldly? And and it can be dangerous. It can get into standards, and I'm not trying to go there. But I think we understand there is a form of some godliness and worldliness. There is music that is considered godly, though I believe there's a range there. And there is music that is no doubt worldly, carnal, sinful, fleshly. I think we can say that there is dress, that is godly, and it doesn't have to be Amish, but there is dress that's immodest and worldly. Our world would promote it. Our world would put it out there to show off things that should not be shown off. I think, So staying very general here on the podcast, we I think we can all say that there are some systems in this world that that would oppose the things of God. And we could go on for reading, we could go whatever, with television. We could say there's some things that are honoring to God, and there's some things that are dishonoring. And you may have some room in how you and what could be honoring and not honoring and, and where you draw the line and your standard for your family. But I'm telling you, we all have to admit there are some things that are honoring and dishonoring, worldly and not worldly. And he says that we as Christians, if we want to be in fellowship with God, we shouldn't love the world he tells us what not to love. And then he tells us what we sh- what we should love. He says the love of the Father is not in him. And why, excuse me, why we shouldn't love this? Because the love of the Father is not in him. It breaks the fellowship that we have with God. The whole thing that he's been setting up saying we want to stay in fellowship with God. But when we have a love for the world a, that, that replaces, it replaces the love for God that we should be having. And it takes us out of it, breaks the fellowship with God. Worldliness begins in our heart. That's where it starts. And then it becomes outward. And so where do we start to deal with the problem? We start in the heart. Now, some of the traps of the world system, it's laid out here. He says, for, the, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away. The world's going to be gone one day, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So the traps of the world system quickly. We have the lust of the flesh. That's anything that appeals to man's fallen nature, sinful flesh. So desires are natural. But Satan perverts those desires. Hunger is natural. I'm kind of hungry right now. But gluttony is Satan's perversion of that. Thirst is normal. But drunkenness is sinful. Physical relationship in, in marriage is biblical, but fornication, any type of sexual relations outside of marriage, is called fornication. It's sin. It's a lust of the flesh. Sleep is natural. Laziness is sin. It's a lust of the flesh. And the Bible says the flesh profits nothing. The flesh is what was defeated on the cross, but yet so often we give into our flesh we have to be careful lust of the flesh is worldly then he says the lust of the eyes so the eyes are the gateway to our mind and to our fleshly desires so what we look upon affects our mind which affects our heart which affects then our actions so we can begin to think like the world and like the world system and how the world thinks. And then all of a sudden we begin acting like the world. That's lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh. And then he says the pride of life. The pride of life is just the desire to have more. I have to have more. It's the desire to be more. I have to be more. I have to be famous. I have to know. People need to know me. I need to have more likes on social media. People, did they see this? Did they like this? Am I cool? Am I accepted? I have to desire to do more and to be more or have more. But James said that friendship with the world is enmity with God. You see, he calls it adultery. He calls it a spiritual adultery that when I love this world system and its sinfulness more than God, I'm no longer walking in fellowship with God. Matter of fact, I'm acting like an enemy of God. Strong, strong words, I know. This is John speaking, though, not me. John gets very serious with these young believers. Remember, he said he's talking to fathers. He's talking to mature believers. He's talking to young believers. And he's talking to brand new believers. But he's saying, listen, don't love the world. Fall in love with Jesus. This world system fades away. It's going to be gone one day. And it only destroys. It only leads to pain. It only leads to sorrow. It may seem there may bring a temporary pleasure for a season but it's going to be gone before you know it and you're going to be empty and you're going to be miserable but he says he that doeth the will of the father shall abide and fell abide forever in fellowship forever in joy and peace the fruit of the spirit love joy peace long-suffering gentleness meekness temperance faith i mean don't those things sound so much better than the opposites hatred selfishness worry fear anger all these things and so this week in our adult bible study we've continued down through we went through verse from verse 7 down to verse 17 we've seen how he says listen you want to be in fellowship with god and that's what we all want i want to be in fellowship i want to see god's power in my life i want to be in fellowship love my brother don't hate challenge myself to grow spiritually and do not love the world And its system. Don't get caught up in that trap. Love Jesus Christ supremely. That's our study this week. Sorry, it wasn't the the other way of recording. May I get maybe a little bit more worked up, a little bit more passionate, and a little bit longer though. But we'll be back to that next week. I hope that you're enjoying this study. It is an encouragement to me. Let me know. Send me a message on social media. Uh, send me a message on the on the website, bradmcclur.org, and sign up for the newsletter. But let me know. Let me know about this study and how God's working in your heart. So, hey, thanks for listening this week to the podcast. We'll be back on Thursday, probably continuing my study on the life of David. Have a great week.